welcome to the Wellness Navigation Podcast. I'm Mitch here with my co-host Mike, and if you're listening to this podcast, it's because you or someone you know has had a challenge related to wellness and fitness, haven't made the progress that you want to make. On the show, Mike and I and our guests will review, inform, and share stories and experiences related to these challenges, why we think they occur, and how you can improve on these challenges. Combined, Mike and I have over decades of experience trained individuals and in group settings, and we've worked with people in the fields of CrossFit, Strongman, Jiu-Jitsu, Yoga, Powerlifting, Ultra Marathon, and beyond. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Mike, we're talking about breathing. Hey, everybody. What's up? Welcome to the Wellness Navigation Podcast. Well, it's great. It's another week. I hope you guys enjoyed the last podcast. Um... I know it was everywhere, but we were trying to rein things in, but yeah. Um, we're talking about breathing today and all aspects of breathing. So if it's anywhere through breathing through lifts or breathing through life or breathing through your mindset, but I think we're both going to start off with a story about how um, breathing has um, helped us through um, some could be traumatic situations, but also just, you know, um, um, some anxiety, right? And how breath work can really help with that, uh, change the mindset and also calm the system down. So I'll just share first. <clears throat> when I was working in the ER, I still work in the ER at Tampa General, but as a paramedic on the tra- on the on the trauma team. But haven't done as haven't done as much work there since the whole COVID thing hit. But um, I was working at a hospital called Florida Hospital Tampa at the time. Now Advent Health. Um, shout out to them. Not really. <laughs> um, so I had a, we, we had a lot of, a lot of patients that come in where, um, addiction issues also, um, patients that would, um, that are aggressive and, um, well, with their different stages of their life, I don't like hold anything against them. I just, we had a regular who was a, usually came in, was a violent drunk and, um, <clears throat> I was doing my rounding on, I had like two nurses. I had pretty much. I don't know, 12 patients around now because it was like six patients per, per nurse, which is still kind of not okay. But um, these days with nursing, and that's a whole different conversation. But <clears throat> doing my rounds, making sure the nurses are taking care of, make sure the patients are taking care of, make sure that, you know, everything's okay, everybody has what they need. Come into this door, and immediately I'm uh, painting this picture for you where this regular uh, name will not be mentioned because there's HIPAA violations, of course. But, um, had this nurse by his on her neck, on his forearm, just pretty much her her feet were off the ground, but had her on the wall on his forearm by her neck. She was crying. She was distraught. She was screaming. Um, she couldn't really scream at all because she was, she was right on her windpipe. <clears throat> Immediately, I go into my whole my own mode, like almost like a hypervigilance military thing. But went and grabbed him, grabbed him by the collar, pretty much threw him across the room. Didn't um. I asked her to get out of here so I could like settle the patient down, put him back in the bed. Um, we possibly we had to end up ending up putting him in restraints, but um, immediately I'm in this weird state where like I'm all pushed back into like anytime it happens usually when it comes back to any kind of like violent mode where I'm just like mm-hmm. I have all this because before in the military when I'm in this state where like we're in, like either an ambush or like a raid which is taking like you know a lot of my energy and I'm just, just putting me in a straight focus like a flow state <clears throat> but when you handle situations like that where they handle up pretty quickly 
I didn't know how to, I'm, I'm still dealing with energy. So I'm still dealing with this patient. He starts attacking me. I'm just like, please God, let me let this, end, let this end. And I don't, I don't really want it to stop. Um, but he, she goes to swing on me. I pick him up and I drop him on his head. Immediately. I'm just, I feel terrible. Cause like this guy's, you know, he's drunk. Now he's got, you know, he's, he's injured. And um, I caused that and I'm only doing it to protect myself, but that whole, and to my, you know, to my praise that, you know, I didn't go any further than that. I just make sure I, he was okay. I put him back in bed. I told the nurse, I told the doctor, I was like, Hey, look, dude, this is what happened. The nurse was present. And even the nurse manager had saw it. Cause after the nurse came out, she had saw what happened. So as I did things intentionally, I did things to protect myself, but to go into the aftermath of that whole story, I had an, I had an anxiety, something I never experienced before. <laughs> Excuse me. Where I just hit this, this wall thing. Like what I, I didn't think was anxiety at the time. Mm-hmm. But it's supposed to be like, it's my exertion of my hypervigilance is coming out and there's no where to express this energy where it's just like my heart rate's elevated, like in the two hundreds, my palms are sweaty. I'm like manic ish and I don't know what the fuck to do. And I'm just like turning pale. I'm like, Oh my God, what the fuck is going on? Like I was like, I told the nurse manager, I got to get the fuck out of here. I don't know what the hell's wrong. So I just, and I'm, and I'm in the, you know, kind of like the beginning stages of, of some of my yoga teacher training. So I'm like, we've gone through breath work and stuff like that. Yeah. So come to find out, I have an, I'm having a fucking panic attack. What the fuck is this shit? So I go out to what I, what I know, what I've done before I've learned in the military is I like got box breath ish. And I, and I went through, it's five and five seconds of an inhale, five seconds of a pause, five seconds of an exhale, five seconds of a pause. And I keep doing this thing. <clears throat> and I just sit there with myself and I keep doing this same breath. I focus on my breath. And I was able to just like calm, deregulate myself. Right? I was able to like knock down these, this anxiety or whatever my mindset was at this time. And whatever this trigger was that got me to this weird <clears throat> reaction. It's just, it's just my body reacting to something. It wasn't so much like mm-hmm. my mind was in control of the situation. I think it was, it was just my body keeps a score kind of thing. Right. I just like, when when somebody enters a state like this, their body adjusts for you know adjusts for fire. Like it just like, all right, you're into this in this mode right now. We gotta push, we gotta push the envelope. So like my adrenaline is like through the roof, and dopamine, serotonin are all like fucking through the roof. I'm just like ah, just scream. So I like, I'm just sitting there box breathing for like almost been like thirty minutes to an hour. I'm just sitting there. Sooner or later, I was able to. Bring it all the way back down. So I'm just like, oh, wow, this shit fucking works. It's not like fucking voodoo science. This is actually a a practice that can fucking benefit not only. And that's where I think for the longest time I've been a skeptic about yoga and all that stuff, right? Because I'm a large man. Like, for a while, I was like, which was funny because when I I went to yoga teacher training, I was like, in the Western society, yoga is predominantly a woman thing to do. Yeah. Um, And when you get, to learn about yoga, it was like, no, in India, it's all a man thing to do. Like, they use a physical practice where the Western society, us, had turned it into a fucking goddamn jazzercise central. Where like, be having a physical practice is like what yoga is mm-hmm. to everybody here, which is not. The only reason why, like, they have in yoga, they only have a physical practice is they can sit for longer periods of time and breathe and meditate and stuff like that. So, like... I re- that moment was like the turning point 
for me and um, understanding why and how to regulate my my breathing and why that's so important to like my mindset, so important to like helping regulate my body. So there's that. That's wild. Yeah, it's crazy. And I think that brings up a good um, a good kind of like main challenge where we're talking about your state, like your physiological state. So you were in like a hyper arousal fight mm-hmm. flight response. And uh, I think a big challenge is people don't realize that their body has states or that that it's doing those things. Right. Uh, and that they serve a purpose. And it's only bad when it's dysfunctional. Like it's only yeah. bad to be in a hyper vigilant state when there's no reason to be. In a hypervigilance. Yeah, it, it, there was reason for it to begin with. Yeah, but like, so, so, yeah, so your body responded, <laughs> right? And if someone doesn't know that that's what their state is or how you can stabilize your state or decrease your state, that's where your problem comes into, into, into play. And breathing is obviously a huge aspect of that because if you breathe uh, – so like your environment could stimulate a certain state. But then also your breathing can stimulate or change a certain state. So um, like as that relates to, to what happened to me, so I just moved to Florida in 2017, um, maybe only like three or four months after graduating college. So I graduated in whatever it was, like April or May, and then I moved down here in August. Um, and I came down here w- with uh, two individuals that I knew to work for them, and I didn't know anybody else. So one day I'm on my way to the uh, to the sun, to, to Sarasota to our office passing along the beautiful sunshine skyway and I'm like almost there. Um, and all of a sudden it's like for the first time ever, I'm like, why does it feel like I can't breathe? And I'm like a really physically anxious person, meaning like I pay intense, uh, attention to detail to what my body is experiencing, uh, whether it's more internal like thoughts, but then also like physically physical sensations of what I'm, uh, of what I'm noticing mostly. And so I'm like, holy shit, what is happening? This is like as you're going up the skyway. This though? is like, so I just came off the skyway and I was hitting another, <clears throat> uh, I forget, like another one of the bridges that like leads into Siesta Key, like over one of the small, like little like rivers there. Um, and the first thing that I noticed was mentally I was fine, but my chest tightened and I was like, holy shit, am I having a heart attack? That doesn't seem reasonable. I'm like a healthy person. <laughs> right. So the, the, my chest had tightened. My breathing became shallow and mostly felt like in my neck. And uh, that's when then shortly following after all more like panicky based thoughts um, all about future scenarios started happening. Um, Cause like, as I remember, like it, it was like the weekend. So I was going there to meet up with like friends uh, of, uh, of the people that I worked with. So that way, you know, I could get to start to like know, know other people and, and start to engage in the community. And um I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get there. I'm going to straight up be dead. And I had no idea how long it was going to last for, which ended up lasting a while. Like we get there, we get to the, uh, to the beach and I'm still having like a little bit of like a, of a panic attack. And it happened later on more than once. Um, yeah. So my breathing became shallow. And in this case, um, I think it was probably just like a series of like different life events that had led up to it. I had left the person I was with at the time. Um, I had just like moved to a brand new state outside of college, started a brand new job, Um, right. I had my living scenario was I was living with the people that I was working with, which was great, but obviously comes with different types of stressors. And I was like, oh my God. So my state had stimulated this type of panicky response. Um, and then I didn't know any breathing practice, right? Same thing. Kind of skeptical. I'm like, 
breathing, you know, come on. You're just inhaling and exhaling, right? Had no idea how to, how to do anything. And so my panic attacks, attacks kept re reoccurring. Like I'd have at least like one every like one to two weeks. And I was like, man, this sucks. <laughs> I'm not about to go get some Zannies like or something. It feels though. like you're out of control too. It does. Yeah. I'm like, I do, cause you would never know what would trigger it. Right. Um, so it'd be like around the corner, there could be another panic attack, which is always great. Right. Cause then that makes you want to panic more because you're panicking about panicking i almost feel like that the your situation is not worse than mine like i feel like i knew because oh, you knew what it stimulated i knew yeah. this i knew this stimu- what stimulated mine like and that's and never happened to me before like it just came out of nowhere yeah i mean so maybe that's a good like point right like yeah. you're you can have a way that your body responds and then you can notice it and stabilize it and then decrease it should you have the need for that or maintain it if you need it yeah. um and then in my case of it reoccurring it's more of like uh, I don't know what's causing it. How do I figure it out? Right. So like, how do you respond appropriately to the situation that you're in with breathing? And then if you don't know what's causing the problem, how do you use your breathing to explore resolving it? Right. So the breath can be a tool to stabilize and decrease, but then it can also be a tool to, um, like in, in intuitively, uh, explore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's a cool, a cool way to go about it because breathing can help stimulate better responses for training, but then it can also like calm you down, um, or help you explore your training, uh, better. It's such a vast practice, right? What a rabbit hole. Yeah. I mean, we're, it's just a serious rabbit hole. Like it's such a vast practice. We can, and I think a lot of the practitioners we, we come in contact with Mm -hmm. use the breath and it's not Keith. Shout out to Keith and the breath, breathe bros. Mm -hmm. Um, those guys, even Annette Kodawari and my yoga mom, um, Annie Okerlund, who's got me into yoga, but, um, I think it's, it's, we, we use, we even use it here in the gym as coaches and to help under people understand like breathing is important. Here's why. And fight or flight, you know, rest and digest, um, bracing. It's, it's a huge rabbit hole, but we're, when we're the last week we're talking about and your team, you, you, you hit the nail on the head when it comes, you can use it to go to internal more. Yeah. Right. I find a lot of people <clears throat> have trouble sitting with themselves. And and this is this is this was that the whole time period for me when I was sitting there. I think you've run into this situation too and you're part of your meditative practice and just when you dove into like um Sam Sam Harris. Sam Harris, right? I think that's one of the major triggers for you to to dive into that a little bit more. Yeah, I got more into it signif- I had done it a little bit in college and then yeah. way more into it in 2017. And it's a good it's a good kickoff for your practice, right? It's like, you know, if you can't sit alone by yourself and you start fidgeting more, there's mm-hmm. something, there's something else going on. Like there's like, people don't understand. Like there's a lot of, there's no way anybody leaves this fucking planet unscathed. Mm-hmm. There's no way. If it's not bad relationships. It's not bad interactions. It's not car accidents. It's not like everybody's has a traumatic situation and it elicits a certain response. For me, it was combat in my childhood. It elicited a certain fucking response. Like mm-hmm. when I have to like, if I feel at any any point I have to go on guard or I have to like, you know, protect my like or, or attack something. Like I'm, my body's like I said, my body keeps the score. It's gonna know what to do and what it needs to do when it needs to happen. Yep. <clears throat> but for you, I feel like it's more of a mindset thing, right? Like you were just a lot of things were hitting you all at once, and you didn't know there was a lot of uncertainty. The perfect time to talk about uncertainty is now because guess what? We've been living to the largest time period of uncertainty and, and everybody's experiencing it right now. Yeah. 
everybody right now, like if you don't have some sort of breathing practice, and I highly suggest you try because we're living through this really weird time period of our, the world's <laughs> messing with some, some fucking virus. We have no fucking clue with the, with the, the top level of it's going to be, which is probably endless like the, the flu. But <clears throat> what I will say is like, a, lot, a large portion, portion of the world had stopped working and the whole, the world stopped working for like close to a year. Yeah. And it scared a lot of people and a lot of no shit. Like our anxiety levels have gotten even worse in the past, you know, year to two years. Mm-hmm. And people are diving in more now into their wellness than they ever have before. Which is kind of great. It's that that's beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. Like I've, I haven't seen this many people outside in a long time since I was a kid. So it's just like, <clears throat> um, like I said, the body keeps the score, right? Like we, we really need to, I think this is one of those things is this breath practice has come back to, and it luckily you and I already worked on it before the, even the pandemic had hit. Yeah. So we had a tool, we had a tool to use for ourselves and it was, and this is what it is. People, it's just a freaking tool. Yeah. I don't expect people to like, you know, become a fucking guru about how to fuck. Swami breathe. Rama. Yeah. Right. Make your I mean, heart beat good. Don't get me wrong. He's. I mean, like I said, I was one of the giant, most biggest skeptic of all because I'm like, yeah. it's just funny. I don't know why, because we were taught breathing practices to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> Slow your heart rate down, stuff like that. <laughs> so think, it's, it's weird. I think it's good to to kind of bring up. So we're talking about your breathing. We're talking, we're, we're mentioning things like anxiety. We're mentioning how it can improve uh, or we're alluding to how it can improve things like your performance and your focus. And we'll say like mental health, inner peace, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I think a, a, a really good thing to kind of continue to dive into first, uh, when it comes to the breath is a little bit of this anxiety piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from anxiety, we can then talk about how it can improve things in a little bit more of a performance aspect or exploratory, um, aspect. So f- what I think is really great is when you have these things like anxiety, whether it's a work related anxiety, a personal related anxiety, or a, uh, like exercise related anxiety, whatever that might be, or, or, or whatever task you have. I think a big component of this is we, we live in a way where our breathing becomes pathological, right? We sit too often. We, uh, drive, uh, in a car frequently, we eat foods that are unhealthy that affect our respiration. And so the result is that we end up breathing through our mouth and we end up breathing in our chest. So baseline number one is that is not a great way to breathe, right? And it's also very shallow breath and there's normally a breath hold, right? Um, and we're stuck in our head and this style of breathing perpetuates more anxiety. And then also obviously the negative health effects that come with it, whether that's like high blood pressure, increased heart rate, poor sleep, which we can dive into a whole like health benefit, health effect thing. Um, but the reason why I think the breath is so good and then to touch on anxiety after is you have this bad way of breathing. <coughs> when you adjust this good way of breathing, which is nasal breathing for a majority of, of what you do, um, you kind of get out of your head and into your body. And this is one of the things that I love to talk about because, right, like I have a tattoo in my hand about my heart uh, that ha- that's half a heart, half a brain. And it's like, well, anxiety is always a future-related thought, and you're always thinking about it in a future scenario. Anxiety is never about something in the present. It's always about something that might happen, right? Or you <laughs> or think future. about pa- – yeah. Right, so, it, so it's in the future. Mm-hmm. So 
breathing is a way to get you out of your head and into your body. And they talk about that in mindfulness practices, right? Right, Where you drop your awareness to like your heart center or, to, or into the belly, right? But you can't, in my opinion, you shouldn't think your way into doing that. You should move your way into doing that, right? Like your your body is its, we can, I mean, I don't know how to describe it other than it's like, right? It's its own entity. You have your brain brain, you have your heart brain and your gut brain because they have their own neurons, right? And so when you connect with your breathing in different ways and you find what works for you, and you breathe correctly or at least differently from a, a normal pathological in uh, in and out of the mouth and shallow, you start to reconnect with parts of your body that you weren't aware of before, right? And I think that's really important because that links back to what you said where people can't sit presently with themselves. And so when you first begin a breath practice, you might be more aware of areas that are stiff, areas that are painful, areas that um, – or, or ways that you responded to anxiety more quickly before, right? So, and, how, and how your body feels specifically with anxiety. So it's not just a thought, but you'll notice my handshake, my, ch- my heart is uh, beating quickly, my chest is tight. Well, the point is you weren't probably aware of most of that before because you are so disconnected. And it's kind of one of those things where like you got to get through the shit of the pain and discomfort and, and the new sensory overload that you're feeling because point blank, you just weren't aware of it before. You either went on autopilot on your phone um, you, and it would only be when your body would scream at you that you would pay attention, but you, you couldn't pay attention to any of the whispers. Well, now, since you're listening, all these whispers are really, really, really loud and they're yelling at you. And when you adopt a breath practice, which I think that would be a good thing to touch on at the end, different types of breath practices. But when you adopt a, adopt a breath practice, the, the yells over time, quiet down, and the whispers go from becoming overwhelming to gentle, right? So like in the case with my anxiety that I had previously and the panic attacks that I would have, it went from screams of high heart rate, really tight chest, panicky thoughts to more of noticing that I was holding my breath before I would have a panic. And then focusing on deep breathing, which let me be aware of the different areas of my neck and my upper back that would feel really stiff. And then it made me do different types of breathwork practices to try and make those not feel stiff and restrictive. And then all of a sudden, okay, now I'm not breathing into my chest. I'm breathing into my lower abdomen. I'm breathing into my back body, into my side body. And then all of a sudden, those high intensities became decreased. And then when the intensity did increase, it was almost as more of, it felt like an appropriate way for my body to respond. And I felt more connected with it. Not to say like, I didn't feel in control, but the point would be I didn't feel out of control, which before felt no control. I was like, what is my body doing to me, right? But then it's like, well, you aren't your brain. You're your whole thing, right? It's that mind-body connection. Um, so I think that that's really important because if you have these different types of anxieties, it's extremely important for you to know like, hey, breathing is a way to connect and understand what the hell your body is doing because it's your body. And it kind of sucks that if a person doesn't adopt a breath practice or doesn't adopt uh, – different things that improve their wellness, well, then your body's going to betray you over time because you didn't treat it like it was your own. That's why we have a serious problem with medication in the United States. Oh, yeah, it being like a fix and, and a thing, and a main go-to. It's a go-to. Band-Aid, not a fix. Yeah. So you brought up, but you touched on something, how we're connected to our, our lungs, our brain. And our oh, yeah, gut. brain and gut, yeah. So there's actually four brains in the body, and yoga touches on this. Your brain, of course, is one. Brain, brain. Your, your heart brain's one. Your gut brain's one, and your lung brain. You have you have your lung brain, right? 
there's a point in time where you're not really controlling how you're breathing. It's just your body's doing it for you. Your body's doing it autonomically. It doesn't have to do anything. Your circulatory system and your your heart, they have its own brain. <clears throat> the lungs are the one thing we can do is actually take that back from the body. That's the one thing we can do to reset what's going on with ourselves. We do that through breathing. We do that by taking the breath back from the body. That's our that's our a way to be present with ourselves. You touched on that. That touched you touched on that already. Um, <clears throat> and through this 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 breath practice, we can you know control sit with ourselves more, but also have the ability to um, listen to those whispers more. But which usually those whispers people don't want to listen to. No, because it's super uncomfortable <laughs> yeah. at first. Yeah, it's, it's extremely uncomfortable. Like it's like a, you don't know how to deal with it. Yeah, it's either you know. It's either the small pains that we're not paying attention to, or it's the traumatic memories we're not listening to that we were sort of pushing back down. And we we kind of call this compartmentalization, right? We yeah. just we push this down, we push it away because it's not currently relevantly like, doing anything for us. Yeah, and you don't know how to deal with it, right? It's not doing it's not doing, it. and we don't know how to what how to approach those situations. Which the, which the funny thing is, the only way to approach those things situations is to dive deeper, go more present with yourself, find ways to like calm yourself and just see, just listen. Like you don't have to interact. And I, I, I did almost the same thing with the meditative practice when we were um, during the pandemic or just as allowing people to like, I was guiding people through a meditation at the same time. I was there. These people would DM me. I was like, I never and you did that day. You did that. What is it? Like every Wednesday morning, right? <clears throat> I call them my, I call them uh, um, morning meds. Yeah. Morning meds. I love that. And I ever, if I should get like, I should trademark that. Shit. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but I, I would get these DMs where people would tell me like, I never really sat with myself and, and even as you were guiding the breathing understood that like, there's a lot going on inside of me. I was like, yeah, there's a shit ton and the shit ton you're probably not listening to or just haven't, haven't like addressed. You haven't addressed any of this. Like, and it could be something simple as like, you know, a past memory that's really st- st- like stagnant in their head. that just like, they can't get it right. Or just be like, you know, an injury that's just like they think it's their shoulder pain or their, their lower shoulder pain. It's probably their neck. Like yeah. they just a whiplash. I mean, it's just it's referred pain, but it's like, you'll notice more when you're just sitting there for yourself. Like where else am I feeling this pain? <clears throat> and it's, I can't tell people how important it is for me that I have a breathing practice and what it's done for me. Like I don't, I'll probably not only two Medicaid. I'm going first to some, you're talking to someone who's gone from like, 10 medications that the VA was giving to you down to like two. Yeah. And one's just like um, heavy inset, which is I, I have inflammation all over my body, which breathing helps for inflammation as well. But <clears throat> it just, it just helps. But also I'm on like um, something for my traumatic brain injury. It's a, it's a medication that helps with like, uh, helps increase. Um, it's like a step down from Adderall. It's not like really Adderall at all. It's like a really low dose. Yeah just to help some stimulation in my brain. But, <clears throat> and I, and that's part of my brain injury. I can't, there's probably the more I do my breath practice, the more it's been seeming to help. But <clears throat> when you're also doing a little, a micro dose of something else of, of psilocybin, but that's like a totally different thing. <laughs> help my brain. But <clears throat> through my breathing practice, those whispers have become a, a keynote, mm-hmm. not so much a, a like backpedal, like, those louder things are not really there anymore because I'm, I'm like, like you were like you, like the type of person you are, you're, 
extremely aware of what's going on with your body and what's going on in your mental state. And you've been that way for since I've known you. Yeah. But for me, my mental state's always been like, I'm going to, I'm going to push this back because that's not suiting me right now. And that's why like those moments that triggered me were always like, all right, you can't do it now, but you need need all this shit. It's going to spin out and like spin out when I need it the most, which is good. But sometimes it did spin out when I didn't need it the most. Um, And I didn't experience like, like anxiety you did at random moments, but I experienced like moments of just like, like sadness and depression. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like I was, anx- I was anxious, but those, those, um, those whispers leaked out in a different way. Not so much like in heart elevated heart rate. Yeah. And like an unhealthy way. Yeah. An unhealthy way, an unhealthy mental health way. And, <clears throat> and those are the moments that were just hard for me to like, all right, well now I, I'd have like uncontrollable crying moments where I was just like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Like, yeah. why, why am I crying? And the more I sat with myself, the more I was able to like point out those, those reasons. Oh, this is why I'm fucking crying. Like, like I say, I keep repeating this. A body keeps a score. Like the month of July is not a great month for me. My body keeps that score. Like, yeah. it's just like, for some reason I never had a good birthday growing up. Well, I know the reason why I never had a good birthday growing up. It just wasn't really good for me mm-hmm. growing up. And then, you know, my live day is the day after my birthday. And then my friend, my best friend dies overseas the day after that. So it's a session like Monday, the month of July is not a great month for me. So yeah. it's just like my body goes into a deep depression state during that month, that time period. And it's just like, it's weird. Cause it's like <clears throat> through my breath practice, I'm able to like sit with that a little bit more. It's not, it's becoming a better month. <coughs> Excuse me. But also, I'm surrounding myself with better people. So. You're in a good environment, yeah. It's nurturing. Yeah, it is very nurturing. So, yeah, like we we talk about anxiety and, and depression, anxiety kind of work coincide together. It's not like it's yeah. just there's two edges of a different of a same coin. Well, and I think that that's <clears throat> I think that that's interesting because usually people go we we always end up having the extremes because. Well, one, if you look at a system, I think if you know the extremes, it's a little bit easier to understand than like the gray area in the middle. Right. Um, but in addition to that, it's like, well, those things serve a purpose. It's only bad when they're dysfunctional, right? Like anxiety is beneficial because it helps you prepare for a future potential threat. So you can take action or quit and avoid it. It's only bad when it becomes consistent, overwhelming and prevents you from living a healthy life. That's anxiety. Depression is something that can help you. Um, right. Usually people will in an intense way, They'll feel like really dead. They'll feel super lethargic. They'll feel really hollow or really heavy. Um, and they'll be really closed off from others. Well, that's the extreme. But the non-extreme is you look inward, you pay attention, you have experiences that are just you. It kind of helps you um, decrease activity. So it's a little bit more calming, but not negative. Have you heard Jim Jim Carrey explain what depression, how he explains depression? Oh, the whole, the um, it's, it's your avatar, right? Oh, yeah, but he, no, that, that's one of them. But he goes... Are, like depression is our body saying that it's deep rest, depressed. So oh, deep, deep rest. rest. So it's like yeah. your body's just telling you like it's tired of wearing. Yeah, it's tired of wearing that. It's mask. tired of wearing the. It's tired of playing the avatar that's not you. So it just needs some deep rest. So it's like which which was really interesting to hear him say that because I mean he's a pretty pro- prolific actor and what he's done, but he's taken masks so many. He's worn so many masks in his life and he's, he's literally like, also he's played. A, he's a method. He's like a legit method actor. He takes yeah. it to the two extremes. And he, when he talked about depression, I was like, man, that's it's, it's something, I think it's something we do need. Like, yeah. I think we, we, 
just to say, the other side of the coin, I think we do need some sort of anxiety so we know what that feels like in some aspect. Well, yeah, you don't want to get rid of it, which I think is a is yeah. a main problem. You want yeah. to be able to connect with it. So, um, <clears throat> I mean, as those as depression and anxiety relate to the breath, right? Like you mentioned earlier, breathing can have you you can control it, so it can have an impact on your mental state, on your heart rate, um, and and a variation of different things, and it can literally make you change. How you feel, right? Because there are parts of your the the parts of your brain that monitor um, your heart rate also uh, are involved with uh, like sense of self. Mm-hmm. So, so if your heart is literally beating differently, faster, slower, it it's it's connected with that sense of self. So maybe it's beating faster because you're anxious, and it's like a threat to you. Because ultimately, your body and brain care that you don't die and that you continue to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have these different states, right? You have that freeze, that flow, that fight, and that flight. And I think it's really important to say those and then talk about how the breathing affects them because most people don't realize that they have those states. They're like, fight, mm. flight, that's it, right? And then anxiety and depression are different things. It's like, well, no, those those live on that same spectrum. So if you're in a freeze state, that's like ultimate survival. Um, you, you have probably hit a flight response and then you drop into an extreme freeze, which that's more of like <coughs> a intense depression. Right. Like you are turned off to survive and you're totally disconnected from your body. But that's not that's not a great thing to have. Um, And then you get in. And then when we're talking about like a flow state and obviously there can be less intense versions of freeze. But then you have a flow state and it's like you're present, you're connected, you can be social. But there really aren't necessarily any threats to deal with, which like fights beneficial for training, which we'll get to in a second. There's there's a flow state. I know. Right. But there's not, you know, it's super intense things to deal with. You're not super tired, but you're very focused. You're very present. You're able to engage with people in ways that you need to. You're able to complete work or social uh, things that you want. And flow can be beneficial for the state that it, it fits in. And then you have fight, which is going to be I like to think of it as when you go throughout your day, when you go throughout training, were you getting after it or were those things getting after you? You can almost match your um, these these states that we're talking about. You can almost match into how you're breathing in yeah. And, and Which I think you're getting to anyway. Yeah. And, and right. And that's a great point. And even with that, right. You're not, you don't have to always be only in one. Like you can be in a mix of flow and fight. That's really good for training. I like to think on days that involve uh, like rhythm and coordination work or days that involve like, you know, you're doing a high technical movement, like a snatch, right? Like that's a mix of a flow and fight. Now, if it's powerlifting day and you're deadlifting, you better be as much in a fight response as you can. Yeah. So you can really get after it, especially if that's like a heavy day. And then flight is when the thing starts to beat you. And so if we're talking about breathing, here's what I've usually experienced. And the the athletes that I've worked with usually relay this type of information. When you're in a freeze, it's very shallow and it's held back. And it's very uh, like lethargic based, right? It's shallow breathing. It's light breathing. It's in the chest. You're not really doing much. Um, And it's almost like your body wants to curl into a fetal position, right? Like that's the only thing that's going to make you feel better. And then in flow, in a healthy individual, it's very smooth. It's in through the nose, out through the nose. It's a, it's a belly-based breath. There's like a full 360 breath. There's no chest breathing. In a fight response, it starts to be a mix of nose-mouth or potentially mouth breathing if you're, if you're like sprinting. But you're still – but what's paired with that breath since you're in control of it is it's a focused I am winning this thing, that type of thought. Um, and then when you get to flight – now it's mostly more mouth breathing. And then the mental and physical feeling that is present with it is, 
oh shit, I, I, I might lose or I'm going to lose. Mm -hmm. And then the eyes start darting all back and forth and the breath starts to get really, really quick and in the chest. And then all of a sudden, boom, you're like anxiety skyrocketing because it's like you're, you might be doing a deadlift workout with some running, but your body's like, what is causing this? Am I going to get killed? Like, how long am I going to have to do this shit for? Like, cause I don't want to die. Yeah. Right. I want to survive the attack. <laughs> and if you're not aware of those states and I would encourage anyone that's listening to like, go about your day, track it as you go. What state am I in? I don't need to be in a fight response at work. That's probably not beneficial to me or anyone else that I work with. I should probably be in a flow. I right? guess that's, that's a good mark that you just said that. Like, I think if you're at work, I think the, the first step and even just the breathing practice period, I'm not trying to work with you, but like being aware of how you're breathing on a daily basis. That's a first Easiest first way to practice. Yeah. How are you breathing? In, in all these states Mitchell's talking about, like, you need, the, the more you're aware of it, the easier it is to help starting the pra- practice to, to how you're going to control it for moving on. Like, if I'm, if you're, like you said, if you're at work and you're like, <laughs> mouth breathing away. Dude, what the fuck is going on with me right now? Like, it's like, yeah, like chances those are TPS when your colleague comes over you in on time, you know, like, fuck. Yeah, you're going to, like, snap at people. <laughs> like, your boss is getting at you, and his TPS reports aren't in. You're just like, fuck, are you breathing heavy yeah. because of that? Like, you're not right. going to And then you're tired out. and lethargic, and then you're like, you know what? Just let me get this bang energy drink going. Let me get a little bit more caffeine, Even a little worse. bit of coffee, right? And then it's like, <laughs> oh, well, that only makes me feel better as I press on the gas pedal mm-hmm. of my nervous system. Um, I think that's great, though, because I think when someone pays attention to their breathing, the first thing that they're probably going to notice is that they breathe through their mouth a lot. So now let's kind of like talking about mechanics. They'll, they'll breathe through their mouth a lot and they will probably shallow breathe and end up having periods of like an apnea where their breath is held, especially, which this sucks, when they sleep. Mouth breath, slow breath, breath hold. So now you snore and now you have sleep apnea, which like that can be all fixed with tape if we're talking about solutions. Tape that. Tape that mouth closed. It, it depends on how fat your neck is, guys. I mean, right. I'm going to be on the medical side of this. <laughs> Like if you guys get some fat neck problems, I'm not like that's that big person wrestler you, issues. You, you, know? you need a freaking CPAP machine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so when so we've kind of talked about these big issues of a person has anxiety, they're unaware of the state they're in, or or they have depression, or they have like an anxious depression where they go to flight then to freeze, and a big problem when we're not in control of what we feel. When we feel like essentially our body is attacking us, right? How can you possibly win? You're in a flight response against your own responses. That's shitty. That's a that's an awful feedback loop to be in. And what we're saying is the solution. One of the potential tools that you have to explore and potentially resolve this issue of high anxiety and and we'll, we'll let's just save like training and and breath for like an, another day. Um, so like when you have this issue, you, it can be resolved and explored with with breathing. So. You're mouth breathing during the day. You're not sleeping super well. Where's a place someone can start? You know? I think we, we touched on it already. Like being, just being aware. aware, yeah. aware so you're, of so you're aware of it, right? And then like, um, <clears throat> so someone's noticing that they're doing, that they're holding their breath, that they're breathing through their mouth. What's what's a favorite practice that you have for like Oh, for me, for just to start off practice, I, I really like to just focus on and just nasal breathing. And just focusing on another focus too, just drawing as much as I can into my belly. Mm-hmm. So, like, even when I'm sitting in the, tra- in the car, I'm driving, I'm just like, I'm constantly aware of my, how my breathing is going because I'm like, all right, my mouth needs to be closed. I'm just breathing, just feeling in my gut. I'm just like, and I'm not like, 
it's not like I'm forcing air. I'm just like breathing regularly, just feeling. I'm not using straight ujjayi. I'm just like, yeah, just nasal breathing only, and that alone, you'll you'll you could see your heart rate drop dramatically. So if you're seeing if you're sitting you're sitting in your car right now and you're just like, yeah, that'd be a good point. Like pause, start to breathe through your mouth really quickly and aggressively. Yeah, like do that. Yeah. See how do that for like. 10 yeah. to 20 seconds. See how you feel. Stop if you're going to get lightheaded, right? Well, this, like, don't do that shit while driving. Good, this is a good, um, this is a good, what, what you're talking about is like, so not only is our breath able to, to downregulate us. It can upregulate. It can upregulate too. So like a fire breath or like a shining skull, we can get, we can like raise our, raise our heart rate just as fast. Yeah. <laughs> just this breath alone, breath alone, my heart rate's going to go up. Yeah. And. If and then you can calm it back down. Yeah, and you can calm it back down. Just breathe through your nose. I mean, everybody just sit there in your freaking chair right now, wherever yeah. the hell you're at right now. Just breathe really quickly. Breath, just breathe really fast through your, through your mouth only. Just like this, just really shallow breaths. <laughs> just for like 30 breaths. See how if that doesn't make it your jet heart rate jacked up because yeah. it freaking will. And then do the inverse. And then do the inverse. Close your mouth, big inhale, even longer exhales out of your nose. And if you have a deviated septum, breathing through your mouth is not is just as fine. Like, yeah, it's not that bad. I mean, fix your goddamn nose for one because it's life changing. It's extremely life changing for a lot of people. But notice, like, if, just see if you notice a change. And if you do, you know what the fuck we're saying is not fucking placebo bullshit. Yeah, like you know it's fucking real. Like it's something, it's something quantifiable. I can literally see a change in myself by just sitting here breathing. It's not a. This is not freaking. Dark voodoo magic. I'm just, it's just, it's fucking science. Yeah. Like there's untold amount of meta-analysis out there and just breathing in general. Um, if it's not Brian McKenzie, if it's not Wim Hof, it's not like you can. Got Andrew Huberman too. You, and- Andrew, Daniel, Dan Brule. Mm-hmm. You can keep going through this whole bunch of people who've just put back this up by science. So, and then we just gave you an example of how to just like see this is not voodoo bullshit. Like fucking do it. Let's just try it out, see if it works. If it doesn't work, then fucking don't even listen to this podcast. Yeah. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> so the person wants to know their state. We're then they can stabilize. Mm-hmm. They can downregulate and they can upregulate. So you know when you're, you know, you begin to learn the feelings of freeze, flow, fight, flight. So that way you understand the whispers of each rather than the screams and everything becomes less overwhelming and intense. Um, right. It's like, you've just unplugged yourself from the matrix. You, you might puke a couple times and then, mm-hmm. and then you'll be okay. And then you'll be the Neo of your life. Um, but you understand the state you can do the, <laughs> you can do the quick breaths to upregulate. Maybe that's beneficial if you feel like you're in freeze, right. Or you're, or you're too calm. Well, that doesn't sound right. If you're too like on the depressive side, mm. then you can do a slow breath, right? Like long, slow inhale through the belly and through the nose, long, slow exhale. And you can do that if you maybe feel a little bit more anxious. Um, and then I, one of the things that I really like, and I and I do this at the Nordic Sauna sessions, is I, I teach people the five gears of breathing that I learned from the Shift Adapt. That's like the Brian McKenzie mm-hmm. um, uh, group. And then I'm blanking on her name. It's, uh, her last <laughs> name's Hightower, but she does a lot of work with the with the um, with that group with Brian McKenzie. And so I'll literally have people, and you can try this as well. You don't have to be in a sauna to do this, but I'll literally have people go through the five gears of breathing because it goes from more intense to less intense. 
And I think that's great because if you spend maybe like five to 10 breaths of each of those and just work your way down with like a brief break in between, you'll be able to find which one feels right. Well, if you're in the middle of your workday, I don't want gear five to feel normal, Mm -hmm. right? I want gear two to feel normal. And I'll explain them in a second. But if you're training and it's supposed to be a super intense, high intensity sprint, I don't want gear two to feel comfortable, right? Because breathing the wrong way that your body's trying to do can also cause more problems. What I mean by that is if I'm trying to do a sprint workout and I'm focusing on only nasal breathing, my body doesn't want that. It wants nose, mouth, or mouth breathing because that's what's going to help it win. So if I nasal breathe, that's only causing more anxiety because I'm not doing what I need to do to complete the task. So gear five is mouth breathing only. It doesn't have to be necessarily quick or slow. Gear four is in through nose, out through mouth, no pause in between nose, mouth. Gear three is in through nose, pause, out through mouth. Gear two is nasal breathing and only in through nose, out through mouth with a pause. And gear one is like you're doing box breath, you're doing tempo breathing, you're doing apnea breathing, which is like periods of like longer holds. So if you go through five breaths of each of those, find which one feels best. You can stabilize the one that you currently feel you're at. So let's say I'm at gear three, in through nose, natural pause, out through mouth, but I want to be at gear two. I continue at gear three until I feel really in control and then I just start to drop it down into nasal only. Or if I am about to train and I'm feeling like gear two is where I'm at, where I'm just nasal breathing, but I want to really up it and get ready to go, I start with gear two, I progress to gear three, I progress to gear four, maybe I finish with like a couple rounds of like 20 to 30 breaths at gear five and now I'm feeling amped up and I don't need the caffeine and the pre-workout that's going to make my heart feel like it's going to explode anyway. Uh, and my skin tingle, even though I like that feeling, um, but haven't taken pre-workout in like five years. Um, so you can do that type of breath to dramatically change your experience. Have you done, have you gone through bolt scores yet? Oh yeah. I actually like, um, so I was doing bolt score, which that's like where you inhale, exhale, hold your breath. The moment you feel any type of muscle contraction in the neck, in the abdomen, or you or feel an urge to breathe, you, urge you breathe in. So that's I, a good way to test anxiety. Yeah, I believe. Well, yeah, because if your bolt score is low, you are screwed. Yeah, which I suppose CO two might be a good thing to mention. But mm-hmm. um, I really like the um, breath test from the Shift Group because mm-hmm. it's like the ones I guess that my interpret my interpretation of what they said is it's the ones that like free divers will use, where it's literally just you breathe in uh, three seconds, you breathe out three seconds through your nose, right, both ways. On the f- on, you do that three times. On the fourth breath in, right and you, this is like super easy to do. You just need to watch on the fourth breath. in. you take a full inhale and then through your nose, you exhale for as long and as slow as possible. And you have a timer and the higher that score, the better. So if you're 20 seconds or less, you're probably extremely hypervigilant or hypovigilant, meaning like high anxiety or, or high amounts of depression and your breathing mechanics are awful. 20 to 40 seconds is more of like an average group where you probably still have a high amount of anxiety or depression. Um, or at least you swing between the two. And again, your breathing mechanics are bad. Once you hit 40 to 60 seconds, and especially the advance would be over 60 seconds of an exhale, right? Like that's crazy. Now it's like, okay, your mechanics are much better or you have really good mechanics and you're, and you're significantly more aware of and in control of those states that we mentioned, freeze, flow, fight, and flight. Um, so I think that's really beneficial because if someone, if someone might ask like, well, why can't I just mouth breathe and who gives a shit? If my, if my score is low, whether it's bolt or the other test, right? Yeah. Well, your body is going to develop this really awful feedback loop, right? Cause when you, one of the things that I love that you said at the sauna is when you feel like you can't breathe, that's not low oxygen, that's mm. high CO2, yeah. right? Or at least your tolerance of it, right? Cause you can build your tolerance of CO2. Yeah. 
Um, that's what free divers have, right? The people that can hold their breath and dive deep, they have an extremely high tolerance because you have those chemoreceptors, um, which detect CO2 levels. So if my CO2 tolerance is higher, I'm going to be able to breathe really efficiently through my nose and out through my nose. Uh, CO2 helps with oxygen delivery coming off the red blood cells. So you're literally getting better blood flow and you're getting better, uh, offload of that oxygen to your tissue. Who doesn't want that? Talk about gains. So, um, when you breathe through your mouth and you offload CO2, here's the crappy feedback loop that happens. You develop a low CO2 tolerance, which then makes you more panicked because your body's like, why can't we really get the oxygen that we need and why can't we breathe as much? You're getting not good circulatory uh, health, right? Then you're cued to mouth breathe more to offload more CO2 because now your sensitivity is dropping. So your sensitivity goes down. And then you hit that sensitivity marker and then your body goes, oh shit, let's mouth breathe more, offloads more CO2 and then your sensitivity just continually decreases. That's why when you see people try and calm themselves, they're like, breathe into a paper bag, you're breathing in more CO2, mm-hmm. raising your CO2 tolerance over time, making you feel more calm. They talked about this in the book Breathe by James Nestor, yeah. which I feel like everyone is reading now, mm-hmm. um, where they were doing that experiment where the guy had people inhale pure CO2 at like high levels and they had a massive panic attack or, or fear response, but then it was immediately followed by days to weeks of like just a calm serenity of just like people were like, I feel really good. And it was even in the one person that had like the brain damage where uh, they didn't experience fear. And like the moment they had that though, extreme fear response. But then what happened when that person wanted to do on more trials, drug companies were like, we can't, we can't sell this. We have meds that fix that. Yeah. Right. But isn't it funny that, you know, if you don't understand, if you don't understand this, it's scientific knowledge. But not many people understand that your body does not recognize oxygen. It doesn't. The brain doesn't even know what the fuck that shit is. It does know what CO two is, because that's and, and the higher CO two level is, that's the indication for your body to start taking an inhale. Yeah. So that you if you have a large buildup of CO two right now, and you're like, that's like the brain's telling your your lungs, okay, time to breathe right now. That's what that is. That's that whole response. Like it's not. Yes, we could take that back from the from the to, to the from the brain. We could start breathing on our own. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, as like when you're the whole autonomic state for your lungs to function properly, it needs that signal of CO two to the brain and saying, "Okay, it's time to take an inhale now." Which is also can rec- people can recognize that you're holding your breath, which is another buildup of CO two, right? Yeah, exactly. So, but you're choosing to do it, and you're building a tolerance. True, true. So when we build up that tolerance, it it's a, allows us to have the ability to to calm ourselves down faster right yep. so if we if if we if we can recognize a, a higher level of co2 we won't need that urge to that we, our body won't have the urge to like you know have that i mean if you ever hold your breath underwater and there's like there's a moment where you think like no i can think i could stay down here longer like you feel like you're breathing underwater but you're not really yeah it's that's it's that's a that's the urge to want to breathe in but at the same time as like no i think i have some more in here so like before I need to go up there. So it's like you, you, if, if you've held your breath underwater, which I think pretty much everybody has, even as a kid, I used to do it all the time. Yeah. That, that urge to breathe is your CO2 response to your brain. That's like, I need to take a big deep breath. And that's how people shallow water break, blackouts happen. People just inhale a bunch of fucking water while they're Don't underwater. do that. Yeah. Don't do that. And I feel like once you pass that point <laughs> of that uncomfortable hold, it's like super euphoric. Oh yeah. Like yeah, when I've sure. held my, my breath, obviously not in water in this case. Right. But uh, at training, this was like from Oxygen Advantage, Patrick McEwen, because mm-hmm. um, there are, you know, are different benefits from holding your breath besides CO2 uh, tolerance increase. 
but I would like hold it while walking. And then the moment I got past the point that would feel uncomfortable, it would be a rush of euphoria around my waist and then up my back. And I was like, whoa, what is this? And then obviously I was like, I'm going to do more breath holds because this shit feels good. Um, <coughs> they got but, pretty interesting because I was doing, um, I can't remember what diver I was, it was a free diver that I was following. And um, he had posted something about um, him and Wim Hof working together. And there's another, there's another free diver out there that actually hates Wim Hof. Like doesn't agree with everything that that's like he does. Mm-hmm. But there's one specific free diver I was talking about who really enjoys um, Wim Hof's training and all that stuff. They were essentially um, hyperventilating, hyper oxygenating their body before they went down. Yeah. And dropping their CO2. And dropping their CO2 yep. and increasing the amount of oxygen they're having in their body. So like the a, a free diver only already has a high capacity of like the amount of CO2 they can, they can, they can handle is large. Yeah. So the theory was if they hyperoxygenated their body, then went down on an exhale. And the CO2 builds up. The CO2 will build up over time. And it, it takes a long time for that to build up because you're so hyperoxygenated in your body. Yeah. <clears throat> so I tried it. I tried the whole, I did it for like a month. It was like a month before I was going to Costa Rica. Yeah. So I went to Costa Rica and I was, um, I went to, I went, I, I wanted to free dive and spearfish and the, where I was in Hako, you, you can go off about 50, you can swim about 50 feet <clears throat> and straight dive straight down to a wreck and there's a bunch of fish down there. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, I swam out there, had my spear gun, I didn't have no tank, a snorkel and a mask. At this point, I already knew I can hold my breath in my room for like five minutes. Which is, was crazy to me. I was like, I, and it's a long it, time. But it's different when you go underwater and you're dealing with pressure, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big difference. So I shot my first, I think it was an amberjack. I shot my first fish at like 50 feet. I looked at my watch. Man, I've only been down here like 40 seconds. I could be down here for a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> so I stayed down there, shot another fish. I shot like a nice gag grouper. It was like, like it was about 25 pounds. I was like, damn, this is, this is good. Yeah. Watch. It's about two minutes in. I think I got some more time. So I can I, go longer. I can go longer. So I'm like, and I'm put. And I obviously I'm pushing these limits. Yeah. To the point where like, it could be, it could be a thing. So I was like, all right, well, let me see if I can go down there. Went down there. Out. Found another fish. It was a. It was a hog. It was a hogfish. Shot that bastard. Boom. I put all these things on my ringer. I looked at my watch. We're at 3.30. I'm like, all right, so let's work our way up. To the t- so we're just, it's, so I'm at 60 feet at the time. Um, And I started working my way up, and I see this shark behind me. I was like, oh, shit. Usually when you have stuff in your ringer, they're like, yeah, we're just going to go after it. So I, I poked it with my freaking spear gun. I was working my way up. I'm just swimming to the top. By the time I made it to the surface, it's four, four minutes and 30 seconds. I don't know if you guys ever held your breath for that long, but especially under panic mode, like, because yours are a fucking shark on you my ass. You see a shark coming at you? Yeah, so I'm like, as I got up, I was like, God damn, that's a fucking impressive. Like, that's ridiculous that I was able to do something like that. But I wasn't really, but also to my to my benefit, I wasn't expelling that much energy going down. I had a weight belt. It was taking me to the bottom. You were calm. I was calm. And it wasn't like, and for some reason for me, I felt being underwater is one of the most, it was like being, I guess, for being in space for an astronaut. It's very quiet. There's not much going on down there. Like, you're just, there's a lot going on down there, but it's just like, for you, you're just very calm, and it's not like, and that works very well. Like if I'm agitated and my heart rate's going a lot fast, 
I'm burning through oxygen at an accelerated rate. Yeah. But the fact that I was able to do that just by doing that training for a month was crazy. Before that, I was only able to hold my breath like a minute. Like that's like nothing. Yeah. But the point is like you can improve it. Yeah. You can, this was quantifiable for me. I was like, like, damn. And it was, it was, it was a really, honestly, it was a really short, short amount of time. Yeah. But I mean, five minutes is, it seems like a lot for a lot of people, but for a, a free diver, they hold their breath within their 10 minutes now, you know, it's like, isn't the record like 10 or 11? Yeah. It's nuts. I'm like, that's a lot. Of, if you, even if you do CrossFit or any kind of work, workout, like five well, minutes or 10 minutes is a lot of damn time. Yeah. That's a whole other thing though. The CrossFit, well, <clears throat> I mean, I guess I would say more specifically in a, in a right, looking at the extremes competitively, it doesn't seem like many athletes focus on. Their breathing mechanics. I don't think so. Either. And then You're same right. thing to the opposite. People that are brand new to CrossFit, well, again, same thing. They don't focus on it. They just don't have as good cardiovascular respiratory system. Shout out to Bethany Shabburn, though. She fucking definitely works on her breathing. I've seen it. She does the toe stuff, too, yeah? Yeah. She's my favorite. All about that foot health. Um, um, so, so, yeah. So, I think kind of like wrapping it up, it's, it's good to say, like, key takeaways are going to be, Know your states. Are you in freeze, Awareness. flow, yeah. fight, or flight? And begin to associate those with different things that happen to you. Or think back, right? What story happened to you that you remember that was intense, whether it made you feel more cut off or more hyper-anxious? And think back to the bodily sensations that you noticed so that you can re-recognize them when they occur in the present, right? Because it's only bad if you're going to be – if you're like lost in the experience rather than present with it and realizing that like you are the experience. So you know your state. You can do nasal breathing only to calm down or uh, a little bit more quickly deep through the mouth and through the mouth to kind of amp yourself back up. And again, try the gears. Gear five, mouth breathing only. Gear four, in through nose, out through mouth, but no pause. Gear three, in through nose, out through mouth uh, with a natural pause. Gear two, nasal breathing. And then gear uh, one, is any type of uh, type of apnea breathing or cadenced breathing really simple? Pick a number, two, three, four, five, or six, and make that your inhale, your hold, your exhale, and your hold. So that's the box breath variation, right? And when you do these things, you're going to start to be able to be more aware of what your body is telling you, so that you can be a better steward of changing your relationship with your body, changing your body and yours relationship with the environment and all the experiences that you come in and point with, right? Like doing this does have all the actual health benefits that I know we didn't talk about today, but it will change the way that you approach your life in all aspects, oh, the sure. relationships that you have, the way that you train, the way that you involve or you're, you're involved in communities and the way that you work. And the point behind that is because it makes you more aware of how you feel and how you're acting and whether you're low performing or high performing, and that's both work and training related, right? It's so just, yeah, it will it will literally make you a different person, and in my opinion, for the better. Yeah, the ability for you just to just to sit there, the ability for you to just sit there in general, right, and be aware of how you're breathing, is literally I want to say the first step. Yeah, it's very simple. It's something you can do while you're driving. It's something you can do while you're sitting at a desk. It's something you can do while you're working. Just be aware, and that aware. There's so much to gain in that awareness alone. Is like because that's a that's a it's a dramatic pause you're giving yourself, right? That's something you could do like to immediately change the way you your whole process is. It's a moment between stimulus and response. Yeah, just just sit there and, and see how you freaking breathe. It's not fucking hard. Like, yeah, 
You're sitting in your car. You're, you're not really doing anything. We're just singing and fucking half you motherfuckers in goddamn Florida looking at your goddamn phone when you're driving anyway. Oh, bro. <laughs> My main pet peeve. I'll talk to people. They're like, but I was at a stoplight. I'm like, and but I, I will, you're in I, your car. I will. I will say this, <sighs> and I'll call my. I'll, I'll, shot, I'll, and I'll say I. I do use my phone when I drive too, so I'm not gonna be an asshole about you it. But it, but most of us don't touch that shit. Most most of the times, I, I try to put it down. Especially, I'm being a lot better about it these days. But awareness is the first step for sure. Like you go through the different gears and just see how your body responds. That's a different different other. That's another step to awareness. And just find a breath that works for you. And just f- drop into some kind of focus right there and then. It's pretty simple. Like, and it, it seems, you know, it seems like you're. I, I can see how people could be skeptical. About it this. seems like nothing's going to happen. Yeah, but I can promise you, you're going to see some changes. Yeah, almost immediately. And also find a breath community. Oh yeah, find a breath community. If you're not, if you don't go to Kodawari, please stop by. There's plenty of breath practitioners there. Yep. Keith's one of them. He's great. Um, and he's taught me so much already. Um, um, Annette, she is a breath practitioner. Mitchell here standing in front of me and myself. We both, we all teach, um, some human breath and exposure over at, at Kodawari. So yeah. if you want to just try it out and even, and we, we, we do simple practices in the sauna and cold plunge. If something, something you want to try out, please come. This is not a shameless plunge. I, we really do care about, um, navigating your wellness, um, Cause it's helped us in a dramatic way. So yeah. like, please, you know, we, we, and we use this to avoid our mistakes. Yeah, we also use this in the gym quite frequently. Oh yeah. hundred percent. We'll have an episode on how to, how to use breath practice while you train. I, mean, I think we'll, it gonna, will make your training so much more efficient. Yeah. Well, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to stop by the breath again over and over again. We, we're gonna it's break. just such a rabbit hole. Yeah, we're going to, it's a huge rabbit hole. We just, t- we just barely touched on this subject, but I believe that we're going to bring a couple of practitioners in here that is Keith and, and that guests coming soon. Guests coming soon for sure. But yeah, this is great. Sweet. Sweet deal. Thanks so much for listening, y'all. If you have any uh, topics that you'd like us to cover on navigating your wellness, don't forget to shoot us a DM. You can find our Instagram and the link to it in the show notes. Have a great rest of your day and keep on navigating your wellness.